Today's episode of Star Wars Bookworms is brought to you by Tops. Take a journey across the Star Wars saga with a sneak peek at Star Wars The Last Jedi by visiting Tops.com to pick up an incredible selection of Star Wars trading cards today. For even more collecting fun, download the Star Wars Card Trader app, where you can collect and trade cards from 1977 to The Last Jedi. The entire Star Wars galaxy is in the palm of your hand. Download for free now in the App Store or Google Play. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy! Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, Aaron, have you seen all of the new episodes of Rebels? Yes, I'm caught up. I've seen all four episodes. Have you seen the little, like, clip of next week's episode? Yes, I've seen three clips. I saw the one they played on the Star Wars show, and then they released two other ones. Oh, I have not seen all three. I've seen one specific one that made me go, oh, come on. Do you know which one I'm talking about? The, uh, was it the one where Kanan and Hera end up hiding in the little alleyway? Yes, yeah. and they like almost kiss each other and then nothing happens because they get buzzed by Zeb. I'm like, seriously? Yeah, I mean, it was a very deliberate, like, we're about to kiss each other moment. There was no question mm-hmm. what was about to happen there. So I think anyone who is still detracting from the whole space married thing is, you know, that debate. that any, debate's over. Nobody's detracting from the space married thing at this point. Yeah, I think they've not given even, us enough. Not even Vanessa is, because I mean, you can't now. <laughs> but we have we have yet to see an on-screen kiss from these characters, right? Like we've right. seen the lean in. No, it's never happened. They've never we've seen the, the lips pucker, but we've not seen the contact. God, that got detailed. Uh, <laughs> made me a little uncomfortable. Not gonna lie. Uh, yeah. No, we haven't. No, okay. we sure haven't. <laughs> I wonder if we will get that, or if they're going to keep messing with us. No, I think they will. Like, right when he dies. <laughs> right when, yeah, as he's dying. The death kiss. They will call it hashtag death kiss. Oh, that'd be crazy. That would be crazy. So, how are you feeling about Hot Callus now? Um, we had a very Hot Callus moment this week. He even was, sauntered. He, he had sauntered. a very sauntered. I may not life. notice the same things you notice um, about the character, but... I do, I mean, I remember the whole, because I'm starting to get a little confused about what version of Callus is hot Callus, because I thought that, like, Callus, just after being, like, interrogated, and he had the one strand kind of falling down with kind of his face all beat up, I thought that was hot Callus. But now is this, like, this new hot version? Hot is any is any non-Imperial Callus. So I mean, he's okay, just so now, basically, he's just hot Callus now. So when you have Callus, where he's got the very like prim and proper, slicked back hair, that's Callus. But then anything where his hair is kind of falling and beyond that moment is hot Callus. Yeah, basically now he's hot Callus. Okay, so now with even the, kind the of way he walks, the, the way he looks at people, like his Mon Mothma like interactions, this new, this like new he's, confidence. He's just straight up hot Callus now. <laughs> In all I really like Callus a lot as a character. Um, I love the fact that they had him defect. I think it's a really cool pro- or it's like a really cool path for his character to take. I mean, this whole hot Callus thing is kind of whatever for me, but I like Callus, so 
I'm probably not going to use the hashtag hot callus though. Why not? Because oh, like he's not hot to me. Like he's just callous. Like he's a cool guy. He looks cool, but I mean, he's <laughs> hot isn't the word I'm going to use to describe him. But yeah, I like callous. Yes, he's he's very cool. Maybe I would just start calling him cool callous. I don't think that's going to catch on as much. No, well, I don't. Um, yeah, that's fine. Did you see the drawing by Dave Filoni where he was like he tweeted out and he said I don't get it and he drew he drew casual hot callous. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was pretty much the Well, they just had a whole clip today that they released that was like a Star Wars show extra. Well, I haven't seen it yet. No spoilers. Apparently, I have links that I need to be sending you. You You're like three videos behind now. Yeah, why don't we'll get on that right now. Yeah, well, I'll send you those over. Right, right now. So something else we wanted to talk about really briefly before we start the show. You and I both received from HarperCollins Publishing the uh, Star Wars Stormtroopers Beyond the Armor book that was written by Ryder Windham and Adam Bray with the foreword by John Boyega. This thing's cool. Yeah. And re- you even showed me the little secret pocket in the back that I didn't know was there. <laughs> yes, I did a quick flip through when I just got it yesterday. Um, it's it's a cool book because it's actually written, it's not written in-universe like a lot of these books are. So this is kind of more in the vein of the that Darth Vader one that they did a few years back where it's kind of telling you the history of Stormtroopers and the, the you know, how they came about and the different ideas and, and kind of how they've progressed. But it's all written out outside of the universe, not in universe. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to really flip through it. I haven't gotten a chance to do it, but I can say like the feel of the cover is really nice and... It's just, it's a nice, good-sized book. It is on sale as of today as we record this. It went on sale on October 24th. And let's see. I'm trying to see, like, what it reads on here. Uh, So just a little summary of the book. It says, From the first moments of Star Wars A New Hope, the first installment in the beloved space Space Saga series, Audiences were introduced to the Imperial Stormtroopers, the army of the fearsome and tyrannical Galactic Empire charged with establishing Imperial authority and suppressing resistance. These terrifying, faceless, well-disciplined soldiers in white have become a universal symbol of oppression. This is a first, the first in-depth exploration of these striking warriors and their evolution. So, go get it. It's pretty cool. It's 45 bucks. Yeah, and we and we'll hopefully we'll get a chance to maybe do a little bit more of an in-depth review of it. But for now, um, we just wanted to kind of mention it came out today, so people can run out there and, and grab it if they want. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, you are listening to Star Wars Bookworms number eighty-one. I am Teresa Delgado, one of your hosts, and Aaron Goins is with me as always, my best book friend. I'm here. You are here. You are here. And before we jump into our review, I do want to let everybody know we have a Goodreads group. And yes, we haven't been very active, but we are fixing that. So if you have been a part of our Goodreads group, head over there. We have a discussion going on about Inferno Squad. And then next month, we are going to be doing Leia, Princess of Alderaan, which is the book we are reviewing right now. So head on over to goodreads.com and in the group section, search for Star Wars Bookworms Book Club, and you will find it. And please come over, chat with us. Yes. Book with us. 
We we started the Facebook group, uh, which has been awesome. We're and actually we got gonna, distracted. We got distracted with the Facebook group, even though I I think I remember back when we first started the Facebook group, we we're like, we're not. This isn't going to replace the Goodreads group, and then it kind of <laughs> replaced the Goodreads group. So we did want to kind of try to revitalize that one a little bit. So yeah, hopefully. We can get some people back over there and discuss these books in a little bit more detail than we do over on the Facebook page. Yep, yep, yep. But for today, we're keeping it short and sweet, and we are going to review Alea, Princess of Alderaan. So I'm assuming you want me to do this since you did the last one. The publisher summary? Mm. Yeah, I'll do the... Uh, so yes, this is Leia, Princess of Alderaan. This is published by Disney Press. Author is Claudia Gray, and the release date was September 1st, 2017. So we are definitely past a month. We're actually getting close to two months since this book came out. So we will be talking full spoilers. So the publisher summary is as follows. It is Leia Organa's 16th birthday, and she participates in the traditional ceremony where she declares her intention to one day take the throne of Alderaan but she's much more concerned about the way her parents are acting lately. Lots of meetings and late dinners and not talking to her as much as they used to. Eventually, she discovers the reason for their secrecy, their involvement in the increasingly organized rebellion. When Leia decides to become involved herself in the fight against the Empire, whether her parents approve or not, she will have to prove to them that she is a valuable asset who must be allowed to take a stand, regardless of the risk to herself. Her stand will also put her at odds with a pacifist young Alderanian man who gives Leia her first kiss and her first real loss. Oh, Akira. <laughs> Poor Akira. He made Poor it into Kier the publisher Monty. summary. He did, uh, and he should have. He took her braids down. <gasps> oh, gosh. <laughs> you know what that leads to? <laughs> nope, it didn't. Not in this book. Yes. Yes, it did. <laughs> Just because she didn't say it, that's what it was, and that's that's what she meant, man. It's so and funny it was, to me that like that's something you need in these books. And it um. was just like it was. Oh, I was so man when when that happened. I was like, oh, he took her braids down. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that's her. That was her first kiss. She seemed like the type that that wouldn't have been her first kiss. No way! Come on! Did you hear her? She doesn't know how. She didn't know how to read a boy at first, and then she's figuring it out. And you know, but and she experiences her first loss. But at the same time, I mean, he didn't believe in the same thing she believed in, which just killed me. Oh, it killed me! I was like, she would have had to let him go anyway, no matter what, because he was against what she wanted to do. He didn't understand. I mean, it was so. Oh my god! Oh, we're so jumping tragic. right into the Kier Damati talk. God, Let's get it over so with. All right. Tragic. Um, it's so tragic. That whole relationship. Really? Is just so tragic uh, for me. Yes. I never. Okay, so I'm just gonna get it over with and say it now. That part of the book literally did nothing for me, and it actually is something that I did not like at all about this book. Was that that relationship? I didn't feel like he was. He just didn't seem like the kind of character that she would be interested in. It was a weird... Exactly! That's the point! I... That's the reason her mom was like, what are you doing? He's so right for you. Like, he's the perfect image of what a mom and a dad would want for their daughter, you know? But like he wasn't, he's... like, interesting. He was, And then he, in the end, he just... He was trying to be too heroic and then ends up getting himself killed and for all the wrong reasons. Like, he was going to literally turn them in. He was gonna. He was going to well, betray because, the rebellion. 
I, because he didn't believe in the rebellion. He believed, so you have to think about it in the way he was thinking about it, which was all he cared about was Alderaan. He's very similar in some ways to Ezra, where all Ezra cares about is Lothal. And even in the last couple of episodes that we just saw, he cares about Lothal and he wasn't thinking about the broader picture. And then for Ezra, he has the benefit of seeing the broader picture and he's able to kind of come to terms with it. Kira didn't get that. He, he like just saw Alderaan. Everything was just about Alderaan. None of the other planets really mattered. It was just about them. And so what he saw was what her parents were doing and what she was doing was a betrayal to Alderaan itself because it could get Alderaan in trouble and because it could cause problems for Alderaan, which is true. And it did. And they got blown up. I mean, <laughs> like, right. Like he was picking his planet over her, I guess. He was um, not her. Well, he was maybe picking, he, maybe he, he was, was hoping that he his could planet. convince her. Yeah, well, he probably was, and he was picking his planet over anything that could harm his planet. He was an idealist, and he, she couldn't tell him enough of what he really needed to know in order to have a different opinion, because she wasn't at liberty to share that information with him. She was still very secretive with him. She told Amalyn Holdo more than she told him. And, I mean, it was like he only had half of the information. And I feel like had he had more information, he might have chosen differently or he might have seen it differently. But she had to have a first relationship. And I think that this first relationship with him and the way that he was really sort of shapes her for her relationship with Han. Because... She now has an idea of, like, duty comes first, and yes, I have feelings for people, and yes, I can care about people, but I have to get the job done, and she doesn't want anything to interrupt that. But what's interesting is Kier and Han both do similar things in trying to take care of her, and she kind of pushes back on that in the same way, and... Her mom makes that comment, which I know one of our readers said was like really on the nose. One of our group members, uh, I'm trying to find it. I don't know where uh, exactly. It's John Calabrese uh, said it. Okay. Yeah. So he said um, that the one sticking point he had was that her mother's line about finding a scoundrel was a little too on point. I think it was there for a very specific storytelling reason because she does end up with somebody that's a scoundrel and it's kind of like a callback to her mother and to things that her mother said. And rather than pushing him away completely, she finally like gives into him, you know, it's just, it's a storytelling thing. And yes, it was on the nose. Totally. It was totally on the nose, but I think it was, it was important. Yeah. I I thought it was a fun line because like, as soon as you hear the word scoundrel, the first thing you think of is Han and, you know, I thought it was, I thought it worked. Um, yeah, I mean, this is part of the book that I knew, because I, I knew as you were reading through this and you, you really enjoyed it, this book, uh, for me, didn't hit all the the high notes that it hit for you. And I knew that this was going to be one of the things. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, she's going to love all this stuff. But I was just like, eh. You know, well, I, like I didn't first... need, like, I get that I wouldn't expect that Leia's first relationship would be Han Solo. But I also didn't care to see any of 
her previous relationships either. You know, to, to me, Han and Leia are Han and Leia. And, and he was such a small part of this book. Like, there were other things that were going on that I felt like really were driving the story forward that did not have anything to do with this guy that I just kind of felt like it was a side thing that ended up just being this dumb boy that got himself killed. Well, I don't even think, I think it's more than that though. He taught her how to trust. He taught her how to listen to others. He taught her, you know, how to have confidences because she grew up alone. She doesn't have any friends. She doesn't know anybody. And she learns this stuff through him and through Amelin Holdo. You know, and she had to learn it somewhere because otherwise, what kind of a leader would she be? And she did teach him, or she he taught her, you know, quite a few things. And to be able to have relationships outside of just your parents. And so that's very important for a 16-year-old girl who's been pretty much isolated for the majority of her life to learn how to have relationships. And that comes, we see that in this book. And I know that you're saying like, you didn't need to see her previous relationships, but I did. And I did because I've never been a huge Leia fan. I mean, Leia was great and I understood her purpose and all of that, but I always got more from Padme and I knew more about Padme. This book made me a fan of Leia because now I understand her. I get where she's coming from. Everything about her in the original trilogy now actually makes sense because it didn't really make sense to me before. I didn't understand. Like, okay, she's a part of the rebellion, but why? And why is she such an influence? And why do people care about her so much? And what is the deal? You know? But now I get it. Yeah. And I get I, where... And, but I feel like he had a part to do with that. Not a huge part, but definitely a part. And it helps me understand her and the way that she handles relationships and people. Right. No, personal preference. It's This just comes down to personal preference. For me, um, this is the way that Claudia Gray de- decided to tell that story with her. And you're right. Like, it is important for us to see, you know, the things that shaped her. And I think the inclusion of Am- Amelin was a, a big deal in this book. Love that stuff. Um, I, and also because that character is going to be in The Last Jedi, we know that she seems to be playing an important role. So to get that background on her character... I was all in on that. Totally cared about it. This guy just seemed like he didn't matter. And he could have not even been in the book. And you could have still had the same end result. So for me, it was just personal preference. I didn't care about the lovey-dovey, cutesy teenage relationship stuff. It just wasn't my thing. Um, and I knew I know that that's something that you did enjoy in the book. And I'm sure there's a ton of people out there just based on our reactions that we got from our listeners that kind of gave comments, like everyone overwhelming, overwhelmingly from the comments we got, love this book. I'm in the minority on this, I know. But that, that, that type of stuff that was in this book that was really focused in on kind of the teen relationship and kind of her teen angst toward her parents and that kind of stuff did nothing for me. There was not teen angst. Oh my gosh. You don't that's, think there was teen I, angst? Like the the very teen. first chapter, all she did was complain about how her parents don't give her enough attention. That's, that's not teen angst. <laughs> okay, what is it? Okay, well, you have to understand. I think there's some key things here. Number one, you are very far removed from your teen years. Yeah, and you're and not you that much further and, behind me. No, no, no. Hang on. <laughs> but you're, and you also have young kids. Whereas. 
I don't have kids, but I work with teenagers every day. And so I'm around this stuff all the time. And I personally just don't like the phrase teen angst. And I don't think that I would categorize it as that. She was feeling a lot of neglect because she grew up her entire life with her parents basically being like she was their entire world. And when the empire starts to come into being and they start getting involved with the rebellion, they really start neglecting her. And she's feeling that. She's feeling that neglect. She's feeling like they don't love her, that they don't care about her. She's adopted. She knows she's adopted. She keeps having to rationalize with herself throughout the beginning of this book that she is still important to them and that she's still their kid and all this stuff. And can you imagine what that must be like for someone who knows they're adopted, knows they're not from this planet, and their parents who used to pay a lot of attention to them aren't paying attention to them anymore. They don't have anybody to talk to because they don't have any friends. She doesn't have any grandparents. She doesn't have aunts or uncles. She has nobody except her weird droid who, for some reason, has to dress her like, you know, a princess all the time. And, it, like, she can only – she has guards to talk to. I mean, that would suck. No, I'm not – I get it. I get all that stuff. I'm not, it's not something that's beyond my grasp of understanding. I get teenagers. I was a teenager. And you're right. I'm far enough removed from that part of my life that this is the star. This is not something that I necessarily would have wanted for a Star Wars book for, for me personally. Like, I don't care to learn about the teenage years of these characters because there is a lot of this. Like, if you don't like the term angst, then I won't use it. But there's a lot of the the things that she cared about that were important to her, that her getting upset that she wasn't getting enough attention from her parents is a very teenager reaction to life. And it's something for me, I don't necessarily care to read about it. But That's all I'm saying. Think... I don't, I don't misunderstand all this stuff. I don't, and I'm glad that you can find enjoyment in it. But for me as a reader, I was just like, okay, you know, I don't really care how you feel right now in this moment with your parents I want to know more about the story. So what would the story be for you then? Because I feel like the story for this book does have to be about this because Bale and Brea are so invested in the rebellion. And to be honest, I really had no idea that her mom was like the financial backer and one of the organizers of this thing. I had no idea about her mother's role in the rebellion. And we knew about Bale, obviously, because we'd seen him in the prequel trilogy and we've seen him in Rebels and we know that he's a part of it. But what would the story have been then for you? Or what? No, it's, and I get, like, I get it. It's a YA novel. It's written, it's written for a certain audience and that the the story that was written is being told from a teenager's perspective. So you're going to get that perspective on life. I completely understand it. I just didn't need it. For me, as a reader, no, I know, but I know I, what I'm asking. So I'm saying you. I'm not saying that anything should be different. This book just wasn't written for me, um, which is fine. Like, there's tons of Star Wars stuff out there that people love, people don't like. This is just one that falls in the category for me that I just didn't really like that much. But there were elements of the story that I loved, like you just said. The you know, the more information that we got about her mother and her actual role in the rebellion was awesome. Like, I'd love to learn that about her character. 
um, you know, just the formation of the rebellion in general and kind of as Leia is slowly discovering all of that stuff, like that I found very interesting. So, so I'm not saying the story should have been any different. Um, it's just for me, it just some of the elements that kind of focused more on the teenager stuff, just I didn't find that interesting. Okay, but so you said that like you don't care you didn't care about how she was feeling in that moment you just wanted to get to the story okay so that's what I was talking about so for you in this book what were the things that you were considering like the interesting part of the story that's what I was trying to say um, <laughs> it just didn't come out that I way. think a lot for me it was like learning about the planet Alderaan their culture their traditions I thought that was all very interesting um, the introduction of the character of Amelin. Uh, really enjoyed her character a lot. And I think I, I've heard this from a million people, but she basically is Luna Lovegood yeah. in Star Wars. Did, and didn't you hear it? Did you audiobook it or did you regular read it? I did I did some of both. But yeah, I mean, it was as soon as I heard her talk on the audiobook and even just read um, her in the book itself, like first thing I thought of was Luna before I even saw anybody else talk about that. And then I know you said it and all these other people were saying the same thing. So I think everybody like collectively had the same reaction to this character, which I think is cool. Um, you know, maybe a little too close to the character, but still, I, I really, I really like her character. I like the quirkiness of her kind of in how she's very aware of her own quirkiness and is completely cool about it. Um, yeah, but at least she has, like, at least that's based in something, like, real. When she, like, when they're in the, um, they're in the the place where they're, like, flipping around on, I don't know what it is. I can't remember. Yeah, they're doing the, oh, what did they call that? They're, like, I mean, I, I, I equate it to, like, from Cirque du Soleil when they're on, like, those silk scarf things. Right, yeah. Yep. You know, something like that. But she's talking about... Amelin's talking about her planet and all of, you know, these very almost like, you know, mystical things and like almost in the realm of like meditation and yoga and like this whole like connecting to your outer world type of deal, you know, and the six, not yet, not sixth sense, but you know what I mean? Like this kind of just abstract world that is around you. It, I was like, that makes so much sense. It's it's not like Luna when she's talking about rack spurts in your head, which you're just like, okay, <laughs> not a real thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, Luna was a little more unhinged, I feel like. <laughs> yes. uh, whereas, yeah, it seems like Amelin just has a different perspective on things, but um, isn't quite as crazy. And she, But she always comes around. Like, I love her character because she always comes around to where she understands it. And there's this one key moment where Leia finally understands her and understands why she's wearing all these crazy colors. And Leia gives her, like, the greatest advice to just be herself, like, to stop trying to be the opposite of what her people are and to just be who she is. And, like, she's still wearing different colors, but she's more toned down, you know, and she's more of starting to really ease into herself. And in my mind, I I think because we know that Amalyn Holdo is going to be in episode eight and she's got that mauve kind of color going on. I feel like she's moved from like bright turquoise to like a very relaxed, easygoing mauve <laughs> by the time yeah, we get she, to episode She grew into eight. it well. Um, yeah, I was kind of wondering about the age of the character because they're supposed to be pretty close in age, right? Yeah, so they're like 16. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I I think that one of the best things about this book was the introduction of her character, and I did not realize that she was going to be in this book when I started reading it. So it was no, I of, didn't either. And so I was like, oh wow, this is this is important because we're we're getting a glimpse into a character that we don't we know nothing about uh, that we know is going to be in the Last Jedi. So I I was excited just to learn as much as I could possibly learn about her. And now that we have a background on her, you can kind of start to at least predict maybe what her role might be in the movie. And we at least know that her and Leia are going to be very close friends. Mm -hmm. So we think they might be. Well, hopefully they still are. I guess a lot of time has passed, but (laughs) I think that the way that I'm sure Claudia Gray is when she wrote this book was aware of, of her role in the last Jedi and kind of wrote toward that. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll get uh, probably a friendship for those two characters more than anything else. But yeah, I'm super excited, more even excited about this character now because I know more about her background. Mm-hmm. Now, you had mentioned that you really didn't need to know about her her teenage years and her relationship with her parents. So I'm curious, does knowing information about Leia's growing up and her adolescence and stuff affect your view on Leia or... Why did you not care about knowing any of that? So, yeah, maybe I'm misrepresenting myself a little bit. <laughs> like, I I do enjoy any knowledge I can get about these characters. And I did, all of the information that I gained from this book, I really did enjoy. I think it was more about the some of the, the way that it was presented. Um, whereas I can learn about her relationship with her parents without necessarily hearing the inner thoughts about like her frustration and not getting enough attention and that kind of stuff. Like I did like to learn about the, you know, her relationship with her family. Cause I do think that's very important. Um, I don't know. I like, I it's, it's a YA novel. It was written like a YA novel. And that was something that just that writing style for me just didn't hit home. Now, have you been a Leia fan before? No, I think we've talked about because I think I had to apologize about this before <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, when we did Bloodline, probably. But no, I haven't really ever been a big Leia fan of the kind of the original trilogy characters. She's um, not one that I enjoy as much as the others. Um, and I think this book, in a way, kind of highlighted some of the personality traits I don't like as much about her. But it was nice to learn. Um, you know, kind of maybe what's what has driven how she is and why she is the way that she is. Um, she had to take on a lot of responsibility at a very young age, and kind of had the to shoulder a lot of this pressure about this rebellion against an empire when she was only sixteen years old. You know, so that will shape somebody for sure. So she didn't it, have to. She well, <laughs> she chose to. Yeah, and that's a that's a great thing about her character. Um. I'm still not going to say, oh, like I'm a huge Leia fan. I love, you know, reading about her and I want a bunch of Leia novels. You know, I I do appreciate her more as a character and I am happy to have learned a, a lot about her in this book, but still not, you know, one that I'm going to be, you know, asking for more. Do you, but do you at least feel with all the stuff we've gotten about Leia, like well, you mentioned Bloodline. And then this and then what we've seen in Rogue One, that small scene and just everything we've seen. Do you feel at least like a little bit more, I don't know if connected is the right word, but like understanding of the character now? Like, I feel like she's more fleshed out now. Yeah. Like, now she is 
three-dimensional. She's a whole character, whereas before she was like half a character. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I do. I definitely feel like she has been fleshed out more. And it's kind of like what we're getting right now with, you know, like someone like a Saul Guerrero, Mm -hmm. where like we're getting a lot more information about him. So it's actually making me care about his character a little bit more. Yeah, like we're getting to see him go wackadoodles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like literally, he's going crazy. So it is It is nice to learn more about uh, Leia in kind of her time before the the original trilogy. Um, yeah, I don't know. There, <laughs> it's, you just I, don't want, you just don't want all the teen girl stuff. Maybe that's part of it, but it, it has nothing to do with the, her being a girl, but just like the, the teen side <laughs> of things. Um, I, I just felt like there was a lot of this book. It was kind of a 50-50 thing for me because there was a lot of stuff I loved, and we'll talk about the things that I loved and a lot of information I gained from this novel that I really loved. But then there were other things, you know, the relationship with Kier, the the senatorial stuff that she was doing with her friends, um the hiking and mountain climbing stuff like camping with friends like i don't know like i felt like she was at summer <laughs> camp i don't know like the <laughs> wayfinding wayfind yeah so there was kind of like you know give and take for this one for me like i could have cut out about half of the book and still felt like i got what i wanted <laughs> so and i know this well, is like i'm way in the minority i'm sure people are listening to this right now like Aaron, you don't get it you're such a jerk or whatever but Sometimes books just fall flat for me. This one kind of fell flat for me. Mm. This one fell flat for you the way Scoundrels fell flat for me. Okay. Scoundrels, like the Tim Zahn book? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't like that one that much either. <laughs> we both didn't like that one. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Lindsay Hardegree from our Star Wars Bookworms Facebook group, she said, this was exactly the book that I needed about Leia's adolescence. I cannot wait to see Holdo in episode eight, and I totally lost it with the scene on Naboo. We're talking about that next. Ah, uh, yes. I, I had to go back and read the Leia comic again. And one more, um, Sue Malenfant, her reaction, I'm going to try to, uh, these are all emojis. So <laughs> it was nerdy faced, heart eyes, oh my God, I'm scared, I'm crying, and I'm so in love. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a good a good representation of the emojis. Three red hearts at the end. Yes. So, okay, let's talk about that Naboo scene because I was reading this faster than you were and I remember sending you a message at this scene and I didn't say what happened. I just said, oh my God, who showed up right now? This is amazing. I can't even. (laughs) And then as soon as I got to this point in the book, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Like I knew I was at the right place because I'm like, oh, this must have been what Teresa was talking about. Um, Yeah, I mean, so... Moff Panaka, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Imperial Moff. Exactly, he was an Imperial Moff, which I think had been revealed in a previous source, but there was no detail given. And I remember coming across that thinking, oh, wow, like Panaka became a Moff like in the Empire. That kind of stinks because he was like, <laughs> you know, he was like Padme's, you know, guard. You know, he, he was almost in a way her bodyguard. And purely on the good guy's side of things and then to find out he became an imperial moff i was just like oh that's too bad but then when you read this book and you kind of get more detail about his character he was actually i guess kind of one of the good ones Mm -hmm. he was trying to you know 
rule in a way that was fair, and um, he did meet an unfortunate end. He did meet an unfortunate end. But let's talk about leading up to that. So Leia goes to Naboo, and she ends up meeting with the queen, and they go to see Moth Panaka, and she has to get dressed in Naboo clothes to do this, and she wears her mother's dress. <laughs> Does she? Yes. Okay. It's her mother's dress. I lost my crap. I was like, oh my god, she's wearing her mother's dress and she has no idea. I was like just so, oh my god. I couldn't even handle it. And then she goes and Panaka sees her and he almost loses his crap. Yeah. <laughs> he's, that was that, a good scene. That, that was a good scene. That whole scene just owned me because it was she was asking all these questions and she's like, but I don't understand. But what are you saying? Why are you some creepy guy? Right. And she was getting creeped was, out by him. <laughs> she's yeah, like, why are you asking me these personal questions? But like the reader, as the reader, me, I'm like, he knew your mother. He loves you. He loves you so much. <laughs> I was like, he would protect you from anything. You don't even understand. Like, it was so hard. I was listening to this scene when I was at lunch at Chipotle, and I was, like, crying <laughs> on my chips. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I did – this was, you know, like I said, we'll talk about the stuff I liked. I did like this a lot. I thought this was an awesome uh, scene for her to go to that planet to meet Panaka. Very important moment for this character. So, yeah, I was happy to have read about it. Well, and then he gets blown up. And he gets blown up, which was unexpected. I did not expect that to happen. I felt really bad for the character. Because he, she came to him with concerns about how things were being run. And he he acknowledged them and was going to make things right. Yeah. And then he got blown up. So it's like even the, the Empire being a bad organization um, in general. But there were some people in the Empire that were trying to do the best they could do. And actually do right by people. But... They didn't last long. No. But you know what's funny? Whenever I think about this scene about him getting blown up, for some reason, I have no idea why, in my head, I go to the Lego Star Wars game when you are in the prequels and you're in the Phantom Menace episode and you go in there and I see Lego minifig Panaka like running around and then when he blows up, I just see Lego Panaka pieces. <laughs> Well, like, like this is better. my mental image. It's a lot less violent than probably how it really looked. Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. I don't know why. He just breaks apart into his little pieces. He just breaks apart, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, I'm going to finish reading some of this comment from John um, Calabresi. He says, just finished a week or so ago. Really good book. Glad we got to look at Leia's relationships with her parents. Um, felt that was really rich and fulfilling. Aaron does not agree with you. <laughs> Thought it was good how easily she discovered the rebel activity because it wouldn't make sense if these people were too good at hiding it. And if she could figure it out, then it wasn't surprising the Empire could start to figure things out as well. And she, he does make a comment that Claudia Gray never disappoints, and I eagerly look forward to whatever her next project will be. I will say this about... Claudia Gray, I agree with that. She really doesn't disappoint, and she can write a story. So would you agree with that? Even though you don't care about the teen stuff, I knew I was going to have to defend myself in this episode. That, that um, Claudia Gray knows how to write a Star Wars. Yeah, and if you remember our book rankings that we did, um, 
Lost Stars and Bloodline are both very high in my rankings, so I do enjoy Claudia Gray. Um, in this book, I enjoyed stuff in it, but this was my least favorite of of the three that she's written. Okay, well, let's let you keep mentioning. I enjoyed things. What did you? <laughs> what did you? I feel enjoy? like I've said them. You know, like <laughs> you know, I've I've said you know the Panaka thing was awesome. The you know the introduction of of Amelin, Amelin, Amelin. Um, yeah, that's it. Just those two things. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, I mean the book in general. There was a lot of cool stuff. Her, you know, getting to see her go out on kind of these mercy missions and kind of mm. hearkening back to that line from Vader where he's calling her out and saying, "This is no mercy mission." It was. It was actually cool to see that that was actually her one of her things that she was trying to accomplish. Uh, is she was going on these mercy missions, so we got to see her do a lot of that. Um, there's some cool moments like when she goes to crate for example and Kelly Shannon actually brings this up that her going to crate as uh, since there will be a comic of her and Luke going there after the events of New Hope like all it's the tie-ins Aaron there was a lot of tie-ins and I love that I do love that there was the crate tie-in the Wabani uh, the mm-hmm. planet from Rogue One was was there which was great we got like a little hint at the Millennium Falcon being in one of the the places that she was at and yeah, like there was a scene where she was looking for a, a, a she was looking for a ship to go out on. Okay, so when she's she's trying to this is when she's trying to go and warn Bale. I believe when, I believe when so. She's looking for a ship, and she's looking and for Amelin a ship. Has the has the ship that she ends up going on. Right, but, but before I she missed... gets that, she's going to the different crews and trying to you know get passage on a ship. And they mentioned that she sees this uh, YT Carillion YT freighter that looks like it needs some repairs. Oh, I mean, they don't specifically completely. say that it's the Millennium Falcon, but it was a nice little head nod to it. Um, you know, Krennic, you know, director Krennic, once again, oh. they didn't specifically say it was him, but they said there was a guy who they called the director and he had the white jacket on and... Oh yeah. Oh, so, we need to talk about her relationship with Tarkin too. Don't let me. Yes, Tarkin, all that stuff. So yeah, like there's there's good stuff in this book. Believe me, there's a lot of good stuff in this book. So I'm gonna I'm definitely give it props where it deserves the props. All right, uh, Jer Eaton. He says Claudia Gray knocked it out of the park again. I loved all the connections to the entire saga. Leia, Bloodline, Lost Stars. And the Master and Apprentice short story, and from a certain point of view, have been outstanding. And that's basically just talking about all the stuff that Claudia Gray has written. I have read Master and Apprentice. I don't think you have. It's really good. Yeah, I haven't gotten to that one yet in, in that book, but I'm looking forward to it. He goes on to say, arguably my favorite new canon author along with James Lucino, but the but they write completely different types of stories and have different styles, so I can't really compare. If Lucasfilm needed anybody to help find the voice of Leia or move on with her story... For episode nine. nine. I'm not good with Roman numerals. <laughs> I don't think they could find anyone better than Claudia Gray. So Claudia Gray's doing a good job. She really, really is. But let's talk about some of these connections. Uh, Dante DeMille brings up a few. This book will probably be the one time we ever see Leia, Bale, Mon Mothma, and Brea together. And those scenes were very well written. He makes a great point, and all of the connections we see with these characters are just, like, freaking fabulous. It's just like, wow. How did she do it? Yeah, and to get more from Brea is a big deal, Mm -hmm. because we'd only ever seen her very briefly 
you know, we do get to see her in the movie, um, and I don't think we really get much of her, even in the books and comics, unless I'm just not thinking of something. So this is like our first big focus on her as a character. And she was a great character. I really liked her character a lot. Um, a great parent for Leia. And speaking of kind of the parentage and everything with Leia, it was so cool to like learn about Alderanian culture and how they just accepted her as the princess, even though she was adopted. I kind of wondered if it was like a secret or something that they had kept that she was adopted. But no, they just right away like kind of own up to the fact that she's adopted, but they she still had the same, you know, rights as any child would have, which I think is, which, which is great. Um, so all of that dynamic, the family dynamic there was, was really cool to, to read about. And Brea specifically as a character was a great role model for Leia. And you can see a lot of her, you know, because she, as much as you can see Padme in Leia, mm-hmm. Padme didn't raise Leia. Mm-mm. And so to see her, her actual, like the mother that actually raised her, you kind of like, okay, yeah, now I can see why Leia turned out the way she did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, Amanda Reynolds mentions the same thing. It was nice to finally get a story that includes Bria. Uh, she was a really strong character and I really enjoyed her mother and I enjoyed the descriptions of her mother. And once she and Leia got on the same page. They were sort of an unstoppable force. And there's this moment where they go against Bale and kind of go behind his back. And I was like, that's such a mother-daughter thing to do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It was really cool. And then to have Mon Mothma in there with them, like it was just a full force of like really awesome women in this book. Now, Dante DeMille brings up a good point. I thought you, it would be interesting for you to comment on this, that there wasn't a persistent antagonist. The main antagonist for Leia in this book was Bale, and he felt like that was a bit odd. How do you feel about that? Um, I never really thought of it from that perspective. I feel like this is the type of book that doesn't, uh, a, a kind of an anta- antagonist all throughout wouldn't have really made sense for the way the story went. Um, but I guess you could kind of see him as an antagonist because she is... In a way, she's working against him because he's just, as a father, he's just not ready to, right. you know, he's not ready to see her as an adult. You know, he, that's his little girl and he wants to just protect her. And he knows by involving her in the rebellion that he's putting her in danger. And so, and she doesn't understand that, you know, at this point, she just wants to, she doesn't understand why he doesn't trust her. And so there was some of that kind of back and forth where she just, saw him in a way, I guess, as the enemy, but ultimately, um, you know, I don't, don't necessarily see him as an antagonist more than just, um, just her dad (laughs) trying to be a good dad. Yeah. He's just an overprotective father that isn't ready to let go of his daughter yet. And he also doesn't want to face the fact that they're on the brink of war. Uh, he just doesn't want to go back to that time, which you can understand with Bale just having gone through the Clone Wars. I mean, that's got to be a difficult thing to go back to and not wanting to, and, and it makes sense. So I completely sympathize with Bale and where he's coming from, but he does eventually have to recognize that Leia can do these things. She she's fully capable. She's been taught well. And sometimes you just have to trust that you've taught your kids what you hoped you've taught them. 
so that they are able to do things. And it's a good thing that they finally did let her get involved because she's the only one that survives. Yeah, she's so. the, the catalyst for the future of the rebellion in a way. <laughs> um, so yeah, she's this is this is kind of what led to it, and it is you know because we know eventually what's going to happen to Alderaan, it makes this book a bit tragic. Mm-hmm. Now Amanda Reynolds talks about Tarkin. She said, "I love that we get to see a pre get to see the pre A New Hope dynamic between her and Tarkin, and I love that we get to see more of her life on Alderaan." The dynamic between her and Tarkin literally gave me chills because he's so he like does to me what Thrawn does to me. They give me they're so evil at their core. They're Mm -hmm. so evil that it's terrifying. And the way he tries to manipulate their conversation at dinner and then when he calls Leia into his office and he tries to manipulate her there and the fact that she holds her own and her poise and she breaks out into tears and this whole thing, I'm like, dang, girl. (laughs) Like, I don't know what I would have done, but that was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, Tarkin was very well written in this book. And all the interactions he had throughout, like even that part where he shows up at like the dinner party unannounced was like, so just such a Tarkin thing to do. And and, uh, I really enjoyed the scenes that he was included in and to see him and Leia kind of go back and forth mentally. And even though Leia is very young at this point um, and you kind of, he kind of bests her a little bit and he probably should at this point in them meeting but um, just reading that and then knowing ultimately like where he's going to be standing next to her as he literally like pulls the trigger to destroy her planet. Oh, I know. It's just like, oh man, this is, this is some crazy foreshadowing that it's, it's pretty intense. So yeah, it was, that part was awesome too. Yeah. Maybe I like this book more than I, more than I said. I don't know. <laughs> like the more <laughs> I'm talking about it, I'm like, well, that was awesome. And that was awesome. And that was awesome. You know? Leave out Kier Damati, and I probably would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. Okay, Patrick Pine, he says, I love the subtle Easter egg of the locket. Oh, this part, and I know this is a Kier thing, but you have to admit that it's a really cool Easter egg tie-in. I missed it. Of a... What? The, the hair thing. I didn't even re- remember you, you that. You didn't remember? No. Okay, so he says, the lock of hair being put away only to be mentioned in Bloodline. That's damn fine detail writing and kind of blew my mind when I first read it. Uh, man, I recognized it. The second she did it, when she took the hair and she put it in that box, I was like, oh! <laughs> I was like, that's in the box, in the, in the, in the other book. <laughs> That's what I was thinking to myself. So in the in Bloodline, they talk about there being a lock of hair in that box, but they never explain anything more than Correct. that. Correct. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I completely had forgotten about that. And now now that people are talking about it, I do remember there being a lock of hair, but it it's didn't... It's when Leia goes back. She So it, Leia doesn't get her box. It's that other girl that right. gets the box, and she pulls the lock of hair out that's tied with a ribbon. It's this. I wonder if Claudia Gray, when she wrote that, if she had kind of already mapped out all of this or if she was like i'm gonna put this in here and then i'll connect it later but she wasn't sure where she was going i yet. don't know that would be, be really cool interesting to ask her but yeah yeah here okay here <laughs> he did die so i won't have to read any more about him <laughs> 
All right. Uh, Kai Charles, she has a really good comment here. She said, I love seeing Leia so vulnerable and seeing her make mistakes. I actually liked seeing her make mistakes, too. That was a part of Leia I really enjoyed because in the movies, it's like she doesn't ever make any, you know, mm-hmm. and nobody's that perfect. And I really did like that. And Kai goes on to say she carries so much of the galaxy's problems on her shoulders. It was nice to see she had a small period of recklessness. And I saw a lot of Anakin in her, which was beautiful and sad. And it's so true. I see Anakin in Luke and Leia now. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. it's it's cool, but it's also so tragic because you also see Padme in both of them very strongly, too. And I just... Oh. It's good. Star Wars is amazing. It's good. I know, right? (laughs) It's good storytelling. Everything connects. And all these books, you know, just make everything more rich. And, you know, and I think that's what people that don't read the books and stuff kind of miss out on is they don't get all of this to fill in. And you do. You start to see those connections where you're like, wow, like she, we really can't understand her as a character more now because we got to see, you know, all of this. And yeah, you're right. I do like. I don't know if I'd ever really thought about Anakin's traits in Leia up until now. You know, so yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's really neat. So let's see. I'm trying to think of what else. If there's anything I'm missing, let's talk about her journey to be a princess really quick and like those three challenges that she has. Because one, I like that she doesn't just get to take the throne. I really do like that. I like that she has to earn it. And she has these three tasks that she has to do in order to earn it. And I really thought it was really funny. I mean, my favorite one was probably all the wayfinding because there's that one guy that's like the whiny little brat. And then there's the snake thing. And I'm like, yeah, right. what is happening? And also, why did they almost die every time? Right. Yeah, it was it was an interesting situation to put like the future ruler of your of your planet into these like life and death scenarios and maybe like what was happening with her was a little out of the norm and maybe it wasn't always that dangerous for previous people but it did kind of seem like oh like that almost seems something like very tribal Mm -hmm. like culture like more tribal cultures where they have this like rite of passage and this thing that you know this person has to go through before they can become a leader um but in a very modern uh society like alderaan is a very civilized modern society it seemed a little like, oh, wow, they're really, they, she might not make it through this. <laughs> what happens if you're next in line to rule dies? <laughs> yeah, like, what's the backup plan, I guess? Uh, she just wasn't strong enough to make it. But I did, I mean, some of the characters I introduced, I, it it was interesting. Um, the snake guy was kind of like, whatever. But there was the one guy that was super rich and just kind yeah, of snooty. He, he reminded me of Cormac McLaggen. right but he was one of those characters where at first you kind of think of him as like a malfoy type where he just thinks he should get whatever well yeah cormac cormac was very cocky cormac you know felt like he could be anything he could do anything he could have hermione and he was just gross right but he he ultimately, you know, comes around and I guess becomes her friend by the end of it. So I thought that was kind of cool. He gets like forced into it or something. <laughs> but he offers <laughs> to help her. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like some of that stuff was whatever, but some of the characters they, they introduced were 
were, and that was mostly what was going on with Amelin was during kind of all that stuff with that group of, of kids. So I, I really enjoyed, you know, reading more about her, her more than the other characters, but I don't know if we'll see these other characters pop up anywhere else. I don't know. You never know. Cause they're not dead. So, well, maybe they are. Well, yeah, they were all their own. I don't, it's hard to say. They grew up on the wrong planet. But not all of them were from were from Alderaan. They were from other planets. True. It, it was so. Speaking of Alderaan, because we all know what happens to Alderaan, it was very sad. Like the way they ended the book, I thought, <laughs> where she's talking to her mom, mm-hmm. and her mom's telling her about kind of her own experiences going through the trials, and then Leia's like, "Yeah, you know, they they might be able to, you know, take this for me, but they can't take." They can't take my my world away from. Me. I forget the line, but it's basically like they can't take my family, my people, my world away from me. And they they did. That's exactly what happened to her. So it was kind of like, <laughs> wow, that's a but, pretty downer line to end the book on. <laughs> they did. Uh, okay, so I have the book right here. So it says, "Applause and cheers filled the room as Leah rose to her feet and turned to face the crowd." Her parents stood on either side of her, beaming with pride, more pride even than many of their guests could know. Through the stained glass windows, Leia could catch glimpses of the beautiful planet that it would that she would someday rule. My parents, Leia thought, my friends, my world, these are the things the Empire can never take away. They did. They did that. They, they did. did. So yeah. <laughs> I like I remember like reading that final line and I was just like Oh, ouch. Like, why end it that way? Give me something hopeful. I just read Rebel Rising. It was the same kind of thing, you know? It was just like, (laughs) killing me. It's true. It's true. Now, let's go out, unless there's anything else you want to talk about. No, I I think we covered... I saved a comment. I think we we covered most of it. Was it just me or the whole beginning part where she's got to go to the, the ceremony where you're hearing, like, the coronation music from Frozen? Yes. <laughs> the whole time I I'm like... A, I have a coronation <laughs> when Anna gets up and her hair is all crazy. Yeah, that whole scene, I was kind of thinking, like, oh, yeah, this this is very reminiscent of kind of the whole Frozen... It's coronation day. Yeah, it's coronation day for Leia. So, yeah, I was like, if anybody else thought the same thing, it's probably Teresa. <laughs> open that window, open that door. I didn't know they did that anymore. <laughs> Okay, so one of our bookworms said, Yon, it's Jan Polk Rebecca. He said, I thought it was amazing. I especially enjoyed meeting Brea and seeing Bale's trepidation at his, jo- his daughter joining the rebellion. I loved Holdo from the drop and from the tinfoil hat department. Could Leia have set her brother up with her dear and weird friend, Amelin, and could she be a certain scavenger's mother? <laughs> I totally thought you were going to skip this one. Uh, and I, I was read like... that and went, I read, I, I read it and I was like, oh no. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you my if, thoughts what on this. If, what if? <laughs> I read the, the comment and kind of thought the same thing. Um, where I was just like, oh, that's interesting. So do I think it's the case? No, not at all. I don't think that's going to be the case. But would I be opposed to that, actually, you know, to Amelin being like a former lover of Luke's? 
they actually make sense together. They do. They, they do. Of, That's what I'm saying. Their personalities, I'm actually okay with like, this. Him as a character, her as a character, from what we know, I actually could see that. I don't think that's going to be the case, and I definitely don't think she's Ray's mom. But, you know, I wouldn't be... This could be the only way I'm okay with Ray being a Skywalker. Like, this is it. Like, if if she's part Holdo. If she's part Holdo. If she's part (laughs) Holdo. Yeah. I don't see any traits in Ray that would make me think that that's her mom, but... Um, well, she got dumped at a very young age. Yeah, she didn't pick up any of the quirkiness. She did. She did, though. I mean, she lived in an at-at. She made the little X-wing dolls. Um, she's scrappy. Amelin's scrappy. <laughs> but yeah, fun, uh, fun theory. Don't think it's gonna be the case, but yeah. But what if it is? Definitely could see Luke being, you know, into into her though. I That's guess. a book I want. The Luke and Amelin. The, the love story of Luke the Skywalker. The love story of Luke, Luke. That's a love story I'll read about. <laughs> Kier, not so much. Kier. Poor Kier. <laughs> Aaron doesn't like you. <laughs> but thank you to everybody who commented. Sorry if we didn't get to everybody. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I want to read this because this backs you up, Aaron. Buck O'Brien, he said, I did not like that the love interest was a throwaway character, but that's a minor complaint. (laughs) (laughs) Minor complaint. (laughs) Aaron's major complaint, but it was, uh, I don't know why it bugged me so much. Every time, like, things would happen with those characters and they got, like, stuck in the little, like, crawl space together and all. I'm just like, oh, okay. (laughs) Maybe you just would not be friends with a real life here. Maybe not. He was a little too goody-goody. Which is kind of weird for me to say that, but... He's not enough scoundrel for you? <laughs> yeah, I'd prefer him to be more of a scoundrel. <laughs> Hashtag All hot right. tier. Hashtag... <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag hot tier. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> and I on that note... I'm not, I'm not really attracted to cure anything as a character. I just like their situation for what he did for Leia, not because I love Kier as a character. So, right. He was a little vanilla, I thought. He was yeah. kind of a little too much of a nice guy for her. Um, yeah. Maybe it was just too, like, that maybe is what kind of annoyed me about him. Because I'm just like, Leia wouldn't fall for a guy like this. But um, She did, though. She did. And, a, she was... and girls, girls fall for, for guys that you think they wouldn't, especially when they're younger. And then sometimes when they're older, too. Yeah. Like, why would you be with that person? You know? You can't judge a person's heart. Nope, you can't. The heart wants what the heart wants. Definitely can't. So, but he's dead now. (laughs) (laughs) He's dead like Alderaan. Got himself, he he flew his ship a little too close. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, in our sights up for review next is the Darth Vader comics. So between now and then, you can find us on Twitter. We are at SW Bookworms. We are also on Instagram now at SW Bookworms. And you can email us, StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash StarWarsBookworms. And our group is over there as well. So if you want to join that group, head over there. Just answer a couple questions and we will get you added. You can find us on iTunes. You can leave us a review there. And Teresa's on Twitter and Instagram at IceColdPenguin. I am at A.V. Goins. And until next time, keep on reading and may the Force be with you.